Hello, it's the return, admittedly, after only one week of uh, of podding ain't easy. If you talk about the Book of Boba Fett, once again we're doing two episodes, but uh, what a pair of episodes we have to talk about because things have uh, taken a bit of an unexpected turn over the last couple of episodes. And we're recording this on a Tuesday night, so by the time you listen to this, the latest episode will be out. And things could have changed all over again as we head into the finale that's next week. I am Scott McLeod. I am in the middle of a charity challenge where I'm doing walking twelve steps. I'm walking twelve thousand steps a day every day throughout February. I almost said twelve steps a day. That's not much of a challenge, but you know, right now it's only day one. I've done my twelve thousand steps, and I feel like I need to take a trip to a back to tank. And <laughs> that's problem because you know, despite being allegedly several thousand years old, he doesn't look a day over thirty. He he's spending long trips and having dreaded flashbacks of his back to tank as Carl Pierce. <laughs> Hello, yes, thanks, Scott. Um, nice to see that you're getting your steps done. Yeah, well, it's all for a good cause and everything. And you know, I'm I'm tired, but. We still, we still get some decent sleep later. Yeah, you should sleep like a baby uh, tonight. <laughs> I'll maybe sleep like baby Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because, uh, you know, scheduling issues and all that, uh, we couldn't record last week. And I think it's probably the best that we got to do these two episodes back to back because uh, they tease something at the end of episode four which we would have been less speculating. Oh, they're definitely going to have something, you know, with, with the Mandalorian popping up in episode five, and then pretty much out of the gate uh, in episode five, he just shows up, and pretty much the whole episode's about him. Yeah, I mean, I was quite excited when uh, he showed up in episode five, but I was expecting, yeah, the it to be the whole episode. It was like a episode of the Mandalorian shoved in the book of Boba Fett. Yeah, I think it does fit the whole idea that we talked about before, the idea of it being Mando season like 1.5. So I th- I'm hopeful that this means that not only with this, that fifth episode that it's basically setting up what might be the main plot of uh, a Mando season three, whenever that comes out, but also doesn't rule out a possible crossover with Fennec and Boba popping back up to maybe repay a favour in season three of, of uh, Mandalorian, because obviously... Both those shows are maybe happening relatively around the same time. So, you know, it's never not a possibility. Yeah, definitely. Um, I can see that happening. And maybe even a, a few more characters returning with any luck. Yeah, with any luck. Uh, we should probably delve into the two episodes. It's very rare we don't have much else to really talk about, but we're in a bit of a quiet period, I think, with the... Well, actually, there's something I want to talk about. Because uh, this basically... Does seem to be a Disney Plus podcast, you know, even though I try to say we're not sponsored yet. Because we talk about a lot of the Marvel and Star Wars stuff. Interesting thing about Disney Plus is that in Indonesia, they've got the exclusive streaming rights to the WWE Network. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, it is. It is um, I won't say strange, but it does sort of look ominous that there could be more deals between WWE and Disney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's all this talk over the last year when people were being let go and people were asking, is WB getting ready? And one of the big contenders, a lot of people said, is, is it Disney? Because, well, 
Disney is buying everything. It could well be. You just don't know. Well, I mean, I wouldn't mind if it spread internationally, like over here. Like, oh, sorry, all the everything on the network is moving over to Disney Plus because I'd hopefully it'd be a smoother transition than whatever the hell's going on in America with Peacock. <laughs> yeah, I mean, luckily we haven't had the uh, Peacock, but all the Americans that. I, uh, I follow on Twitter that um, our wrestling fans and watch WWE have nothing but complaints about um, WWE on Peacock. So, um, yeah, it's. <laughs> I, I, I hope we don't get that over here. Yeah, I mean, I thought there'd be a smoother uh, transition, or I mean, I still never, I'd never buy that WWE will be sold completely while Vince is still alive. This man. Can't even give up control to his own family member twice she and fucked off for so many years. So I doubt he'd give it to some like random kind of corporation. But uh, I said this to my brother the other day. It'd be interesting if uh, WWE did move over to Disney Plus because that would mean because I'll say Wednesday is the main day for like these guys shows like Boba Fett or the upcoming Marvel stuff. That basically the new Wednesday Night Wars would be AEW Dynamite versus whatever Disney Plus is putting out at the time. If that does happen, I'm going to fax over my script for that um, WrestleMania uh, (laughs) (laughs) fucking thing we did last year. God, you're a visionary. You foresee it. It wasn't a fantasy. You looked into the future, my friend. We'll get get Shayna Baszler in a lightsaber match before you know it. Oh, it's happening, I'm telling you. But I just can't wait for that. You know, we'll wake up Thursday morning and see Ryan Alvarez reporting that, you know, Moon Knight did very well on the 18 to 49 demos or whatever it is those people talk about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd never heard so many people talk about demos until AEW showed up. <laughs> Honestly. <clears throat> anyway, but that's, you know, a potential future, you know, but, you know, if that happens, you know, Carl should be, you know, hired as a producer now in WWE because he foreseen what happened in the first WrestleMania under the new Disney Plus initiative. All be head spearheaded by Mr. Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> my dream, my dream of my dream of a WrestleMania main event between Lee Pace and Gunther now will come <laughs> true. <laughs> You show up on TV, they'll, they'll kick out Adam Pierce. Like, no, we can't have two people with the same last name on the show. Bugger off, Adam Pierce. Yeah, that, I'm not having me uncle Adam Pierce. Well, have to change. <laughs> It'll just be Adam from now on. <laughs> uh, I don't know what we're fucking talking about anymore. Let's talk about no. uh, Boba <laughs> shall we? Uh, two episodes to talk about. The first one. Uh, it does feature Boba Fett uh, as opposed to the second one. Uh, fourth episode is called uh, The Gathering Storm and is directed by one whose name I'm, I'm going to try and pronounce probably Kevin Tan Tancaron. I think that's how I pronounce it. Uh, he's mostly does film and TV. Uh, from what I can do a quick glance at his IMDb, does, he's done episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Arrow, Titans, The Flash, but also weirdly at the top of his IGB credits as under his known for uh, two of his main four credits are uh, Glee 3D, where he was director and the director of the 2009 fame film, so uh, 
yeah, he's got the credentials clearly to be a, a Star Wars director. Definitely. And I look forward to the musical version of Boba Fett in 3D. <laughs> Why not? I mean, they've done almost everything else with Star Wars at this point. Why not a musical? Exactly. <laughs> the Cantina Band. The Cantina Band of the entire <laughs> score. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also written by John Favreau, all these episodes are. I just thought it was, you had a weird. I had to give, give a quick look up because I didn't know who the hell he was because they do seem to have a core team with most of the names be very nice, but he was one of the first people throughout those, like, when we were doing these like Star Wars reviews. I'm like, who the fuck is this? Also, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we open up with uh, the flashbacks, and again, as Boba is immersing his back, back to tank, and you see him wandering on these Bantha, you know, he's like, out in the middle of the Tatooine desert. Now he's no longer, he's no longer with these, his tribe, they've all been killed off and now he's on his own and he rides the bantha to, to Jabba's palace where he he's trying he's scaring he's wanting to take out some of the guards but there's too many of them we learn what his purpose is of uh, getting it later on is that he wants to get his ship back he ships in Jabba's palace still uh, what's quite interesting is that basically this we find out this basically takes place at the same time as Mando season 1 episode 5 because we see the flashbang like going off uh, the kind of thing that he used to blind Fennec when he was teaming up with that other bounty hunter. Even here, subtle we change in the music where a bit of Mando's music plays underneath it. And then, obviously, what we already knew is when he came to basically save Fennec Shan for being left for dead. Yeah, it's a nice touch that when you see the the flashbang um, go up and, and whatnot. And it sort of explains um, how... Boba Fett founder, obviously, he went to investigate what that was and found Fennec Shand in the condition she was near death. And I like the sort of explanation we get for um, her sort of, you know, the sort of repairs, for lack of a better word, and the the modifiers, because he takes uh, to one of those modifiers that um, kits out these young people with their um, cybernetic enhancements, like his little sort of Vespa gang, as I'm calling them. <laughs> and he's a, yeah. he's a little bit reluctant at first. He's like, no, no walk-ins, appointment only. And he says, but she's near death and drops all the cash on the desk. And he's like, should have started with that. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we see... Um, Mando season two when she shows like what happened we just see a bit of like the tech that's she, that she's been now like modified with and she's able to cover up but at first she's not uh, covered up because you know the guy takes too much pride you know and he's working he doesn't like mm. cover it up but as you said I think it does you know show why he was so easily so quick to basically you know take the side of the you know the gang that he met in the last episode and you know hired them so quickly because obviously without people like them who do make those modifications, he wouldn't have Fennec by his side, which was you know, interesting. And I like that they focus on Fennec and Boba for most of the episode because, you know, it gives them a chance to really see their dynamic because we haven't really seen that in the modern day version yet other than just a few scenes. And, you know, it's the one thing other than how you got out of the, the Sarlacc pit that I've really wanted them to properly explore in this series, like them him saving her, her repaying the debt and like how they've kind of because by the time they, they show up in Mando season two, they're they are they're already best friends. 
Yeah, I mean, so the idea at first was that she would help him um, reclaim his ship from Baba's palace. Um, Baba's, Jabba's palace, sorry. And, um, well, that, yeah, and that would be her debt repaid because she at first she just wanted to sort of help him do that, repaid that, and go her own way. But obviously, things change as the the episode progresses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously. She's not very trusting at first because obviously most bounty hunters probably probably aren't. And people uh, say like, obviously it's a case of like you repay this debt to me and I'll let you go. But I think eventually she decides like, ah, fuck it, I'll, I'll just I'll stick with them. Yeah. He also said he also said, oh, I get that bloated pig who double crossed me. Uh, I'm assuming talking about Bib Fortuna, everything because she tells them that Bib took over the the territory. Um. I'm interested, like, what the hell happened between him and Bib that we don't know about because, you know, uh, there was no evidence of Return of Jedi that Bib did anything wrong to him. If anything, Han Solo's the one that Buddy knocked into him. Yeah, well, perhaps he feels that they should have tried to rescue him or something. I'm not I'm not too sure. He doesn't really know what happened because, yeah, because Han Solo was still, like, sort of half-blind and sort of knocked him <laughs> Well, he was sort of flailing around, wasn't he? So uh, I can't remember if I actually saw what happened to him or or not exactly. But yeah, perhaps he perhaps he feels someone should have come back for him or something. I don't know. Yeah, uh, there was a point here where he talks about his ship. Uh, he that some people I saw were kicking off about because there was a bit of a misunderstanding here because he I think he calls it like his fire spray or whatever, like a gunship. Uh, but people thought they were they changed the name because obviously it's originally known as a slave one. But apparently, what he referred to it as is basically the class of ship that it's meant to be, and they've not like changed the name. But people kicked off like, "How dare you change something as minor as what Boba Fett's ship's name is?" <laughs> and like, to be honest, as we are trying to become a more progressive society, maybe changing the name of a ship that used to be called Slave, uh, maybe not the thing to kick off about. Yeah, I mean, people do seem to kick off and complain about the stupidest of things, don't they? And oh, I was, uh, Star Wars fans are quite toxic, but when I when I look on Twitter, I think every sort of fan base has its sort of toxic side, unfortunately. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems to be so. Uh, we're also getting insight into like kind of the timeline, obviously, because. The start of Mando season one is maybe five years after Return of the Jedi, and then obviously events seem to have kind of flown to each other. So season one into season two, so not much time passes. So this is happening during Mando season one. It kind of gives me an idea that maybe he was on, he was inside the the starlight pit maybe a bit longer than he actually than we saw. Like maybe he was in there for a couple of years, and maybe we only saw the highlights of his time in the. Just really, he was maybe there then for a year or two, and then this happens because obviously they say that he spent years being digested in the starlight pit. And there's a line here where he says, That's where I was trapped all those years ago. Yeah, I, I, I doubt he would have been trapped in the starlight pit for that long, but perhaps he, but perhaps he was with the um, the Tuscans mm-hmm. uh, for a for three or four years because he did grow quite attached to him by the sounds of it and it 
<laughs> from what he's his conversations with um, Fennec, you know, he, he was he saying I was ready to the Tuscans took me in as one of their own, and I was ready to give up life as a hunter. So perhaps he was quite content and ready to spend the rest of his days um, with his new Tuscan Raiders family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seemed that way. Uh, also, we get to see like basically shows that you know he has a, a softer side, especially when it comes to the animals or. Know, the creatures in the Star Wars universe because you see how he, he takes to the, the Rancor colossus earlier and then he realizes oh, he has to let the banter go. He's like, Go, go on, go find other banthas, make little baby banthas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's obviously growing quite attached to him because he wasn't that keen to to wander off at first, bless it. Yeah. Also, the way earlier on before he sees the flash going off where he's eating something that he's caught and then the thing kind of gives him a wee head tilt and then he feeds it a bit of it like as somebody who owns a dog I know exactly what Bob was going through in that moment <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, no matter how bit well you feed a dog you always look up to you like you're eating something you're not sharing it with me <laughs> yeah cat, cats are pretty much the same I know, I know from a previous part you, you don't like cats but uh, <laughs> I, I do <laughs> <laughs> I just got it's more of a preference for dogs. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've got quite of a, we've got basically a wee bit of a heist going on here in this episode where they try and sneak into the, the palace in between guard shifts. We have a bit of a chase around with uh, with a couple of the droids. Like there's one little droid that comes in, Boba chases it so he doesn't give away the position. He says, do you know who I am? And then the droid just shuts itself off. <laughs> yeah. And there's like a, a chef droid, I think, that fancies himself as a bit of a general grievous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all the general grievous comparison, just all the spinning like knives <laughs> everything. <laughs> and Fennec Chan just sneaks up behind him and cuts his head off. Well, very, like the droid that he sent to me goes, oh, I must have more role in sending the... That droid specifically designed for catching rats. Like, if you have a rat problem so often in your kitchen, you need... You know, a droid to come in every so often to clean it up. You have a specifically designed for that job. But yeah, Gordon Ramsay would lose his mind in a kitchen like this. I mean, I could have done with one of those droids at my old job, to be fair. <laughs> we used to sell we used to sell animal corn and you'd get rats in the warehouse where it was kept and God they uh, were mass they were massive. Uh. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing the story with me, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> to do apologize. <laughs> yeah. So we eventually get get to ship, but also the alarms have been or, have already been raised and but they're kinda of struggling to get out of uh, they're struggling to get out of the sh- they're to get out of the palace while you know, taking fire. Boba, Boba can't access the weapon, but you've got Fennec kind of hanging out the side of the ship kind of shooting at people. Uh, kind of a well done kind of scene, also you know what happens, you know they're eventually going to get the ship, but you know, I think it was quite a well well done kind of the uh, fact that they, they didn't have many weapons at their disposal and they were clearly in a tight situation. Yeah, it's it's a fun scene when uh, yeah, trying to get back, back into the ship and it all goes a bit awry, as you say. It's uh, not... Not the most stealthiest of mission in the end. Yeah. Eventually, they they get the doors open and he's able to fly out. But uh, yeah, not not without uh, a bit of a scuffle beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
uh, I'm surprised we didn't get a cameo from Bib Portuna. Also, you think all this stuff's going on, he wouldn't be aware of it. But mm. Also, thinking like somebody broke into your palace, you know, two well, two people clearly well trained. They took a, a ship that used to belong to Boba Fett, and then you know, he was still surprised when Boba Fett showed up to kill him that he was still alive. <laughs> That's uh, true. I think it further goes to show how basically ineffective Bib Fortuna was. You know, we heard he basically made deals with other people to maintain what little authority he had. So, again, yeah, it goes to show in the five years, basically, shit went to hell under Bib Fortuna. Yeah, it, it's like when you get a really crap under manager or something. <laughs> or, the, or the supply teacher. <laughs> The, te- uh, the teacher has the classroom all under control, but then the supply teacher comes in and chaos is unleashed. You always know, like, oh, there's always those kids in the class, like, okay, let's see how far we can, which we can get away. Let's see how far we can push them. <laughs> there really is. <laughs> there's a nice sort of touch after scene where uh, he uses the, the ship. To take out those uh, the Kinton Striders that uh, we believed uh, killed all his Tuscan Raider fans, so he got he got his revenge on them. Yeah, like some people, so there's been some confusion for some people online about this, like because Fennec seemingly like doubts what he says when he talks about you know the Tuscans being killed by the Striders. You know, like what Strider, what speed bikers killed Tuscans? Like I find that unlikely. Uh, so I think we may doubt that somebody we had to think that someone else killed uh, the Tuscans. But I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that it was the Striders because, given what we've been told up to that point, it would make it would make sense given that obviously Boba basically took their bikes from them. But again, also, even with the little like even with the minor bad doubt that Fennec puts, he still as soon as he sees them, just like no no hesitation, no remorse, just mm. just pulls them all down. Yeah, if it's not those striders, it, it it could perhaps turn out to be the pikes. I mean, they're more than capable of doing something like that. Yeah, definitely. Because maybe it was again, to, like sending a message, like because you had that guy who was talking to like, oh, we were not prepared to pay money to the two factions, the Kenton striders. They've already collected, and then maybe the people from like the pikes somewhere were like, well, we don't really like how these guys conduct themselves. Like, we're not going to bow to like these just. They'll say a lot of people see the Tuscans as just savages, so they don't want to make deals on them. So maybe, they, like you said, they killed them, or like make an example of them. Could be, could be. Perhaps we was hoping like the the Striders and Boba Fett would take each other out or something. But we we might find out in later episodes, or it might it might just be the the, the Striders did it. Who who knows? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Either way, good for Boba, even if it was the Striders. Because uh, I, I still think, like you said, it could be easily one of them either group to take each other because they're the only collective money. So clearly that guy had spoken to them before Boba had arrived. And obviously they're getting around a lot faster than him because speeder bike beats Bantha. I would imagine so, yes. <laughs> yeah, even the most loyal of Banthas can't really get that far. Uh, also good, paints a new like, image of like the scene where he gets his, uh, his armour stolen. Because it feels like he was kind of semi-conscious because he was try, did seem to try to fend off, fend off the, the chalice, but he didn't put up much of a fight. So he's under the illusion that somehow the armour is still in the Sarlacc pit. And 
we get this great moment of kind of a slowly nothing happening there. Both big jump scare when the, the satellite tries <laughs> yeah. to drag the ship the ship underneath. I mean, he must really like that arm. Uh, he must really like that armor because if I thought it was left there, I'd be like, fuck it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, the, the value of it, and you know, he talks about all belonging to my father and, you know, the that kind of thing. Obviously, he doesn't, he maybe feels like he's nothing, like he needs to be taken seriously as a, as a warrior or whatever, as a leader with that, wearing that armor. Yeah. Uh, and I do like the bit where they kind of like they resort to dropping like basically a grenade down the throat of the in the throat of the mm. which a lot of people compared to basically like the death of the shark in Jaws. Yeah, and instead of um instead of thanking the Fennec, he's like, Next time, don't push my buttons. <laughs> <laughs> and she does give them that kind of look at you like, Are you fucking serious right now? Yeah. <laughs> like I just said to both of us here. Uh, and then he goes down, and then we do get kind of a more of explanation as to why he suddenly like, needs like these such frequent tri- trips to the 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 tank because they said that oh well it may have been also painful being in there with your armor, but obviously there's like such like the acid inside the stomach of the of the sarlacc was protect you were protected from because of the armor, but then going in exposed like yes I guess going to damage you, and then she says you need to find yourself a back to tank. So obviously. Those, that's going back a second time like, with just those robes on is probably why he needs to go back so frequently. Yeah, it does look like it did him a lot of good, does it, to be to be fair, and he's sort of trying to wash himself off a bit, but yeah, it's clearly a bit of pain and discomfort there, but um, yeah, he doesn't doesn't find his uh, doesn't find his armour, as you say, because we know, we know how uh, all that comes about. Yeah, where he, he tracks the uh, the Mandalorian, and we get that kind of introduction to him in season two, which we've already covered uh, on this show before he was even called Podnews. He was still called the Mandalorian Pod. <laughs> yeah, I, that I yeah. think it's a I think it's about this point that he comes round, isn't it? Oh. Yeah, but though so I think I think either between either after this or between when I tell we do get a little chat between the two where they. She basically asked him, like, why do you want to like, be a criminal, you know? She basically questions his motivations, and we do get, like, basically the explanation that we can already get from, like, what we'd seen in the flashbacks already, like, it's about how he's learned from the, the Tuscans, and they took me in, this, you know, they welcome me as one of their own, and then he talks about how many times have we been hired by some, you know, idiot to do a job and gotten ourselves killed for, like, how many of our kind of died because someone else's incompetence, like, I'm not going to be like that. Yeah, and she sort of says to him, being with the Tuscans has made you weak. And he says, no, being with the Tuscans has made me strong. You can only get so far with, without um, a family or a tribe. Yeah, also because he was very much a loner. So he lost his dad very young. And mm. obviously he didn't have the family. So that was kind of the aspect of obviously the relationship. Obviously, of like a lot of people have talked about the idea of having that family he never really got to have. Uh, when he was growing up, and and also the idea of him, like, because all people moan about maybe not enough action from Boba and like these episodes, like especially the modern day one. But I think there's been some action, some action in the flashbacks, and the case of like, kind of like the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian is like young Boba Fett, still also like got a lot of fighting, whereas Boba Fett, especially after these injuries and 
uh, all the time with the Tuscan Raiders. He's older and like while he's he still has to go to the back to time, he's maybe a bit wiser over his time. So he's trying to be as he's getting older, he's trying to take a more smart approach. He kind of wants to go into semi-retirement, I reckon. That's that's yeah. what it is. But uh, yeah, I got a feeling this is perhaps the last of the flashbacks because as he comes yeah. out, uh, he's told he's completely healed now. So that sort of tells me that he perhaps will be going back in the bank, the tank, uh, uh, for some time. And uh, yeah, that's probably the last of the flashbacks, which I, f- I feel that we've, we're caught up now. So there's there's probably no need for any more. Yeah, I think we got well, the most of what we needed like, out there. We know how we got out of the the pit. We saw the relationship with the Titans, which has affected his motivations in the current day, and how the relationship between him and Fennec really got started. So there's nothing really else we need. To, no further flashbacks would really benefit us in the current story, because especially after we had episode five, I think the last two episodes need to be kind of focused on Bob and his allies against the Pikes. So you know, basically get all that action for the last two episodes. Yeah, exactly. He talked about mostly, but you talked about getting. He said about how you can only get so far with a tribe or a family. Uh, so he's kind of building that with the the two guards, Fennec, the the gang, and then he goes to the canteen and ends up recruiting Black Crescenton. Only after he, he rips off uh, <laughs> a leader of Rodian, uh, the name of the species that he rips the arm off because uh, like one of them came offering tribute to. Bolban and the pelt he offered, I believe, is made from wikis, and supposedly in the Star Wars lore, these guys are known for hunting wikis, so as Chrisan is a wiki, he immediately sees them, he sees red, and despite the best efforts of the uh, the canteen owner, he uh, he still works on one of the arms off. <laughs> yeah, she tries to calm him down and talk him out of it, uh, it doesn't work, and I just love Boba Fett just dryly says, well, it was worth a try. <laughs> and then, but as soon as he leaves, she just basically tells the band to play the music again, everybody just goes back to their business. <laughs> yeah, and he, he basically, just to recruit him, he just says to Black Asteriston, you look like you need a job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was surprised that he took him up on it, because really, you can't really tell what he's thinking, he just looks angry all the time, just you're saying, no, I thought he was going to, and he's on wiki way, basically tell him to fuck off. <laughs> uh, also, it's quite uh, interesting that we got to see him rip the arm off, because it's kind of a payoff to something Han said back way back in the original movie, talking about how uh, yes. <laughs> uh, you, should let, you should always let a wiki win, because they're more likely to rip your arm out of your socket. Always let the wiki win. Uh, it does seem point. like a it does seem like a sound strategy. To be fair, mm-hmm. uh, so we get a scene that we were kind of I'm surprised it took us this long to get to because it was obviously featured prominently in the trailers. The uh, the meeting of the Godfather esque kind of meeting with all the the family, the three uh, families of uh, Moss Eisley, who all like basically were given different territories in the. The region after Bib Fortuna took over, where Bob is trying to come to a mutual agreement with them to uh, take out the Pikes. He warns them that you know the Pikes don't care about this territory. They'll, you come for my territory, they'll come for yours as well. And uh, these Muslims seem reluctant, especially one at down at the other end. And he goes, "Oh, what's the stuff us from killing you and taking this territory for ourselves?" And uh, the, the dinner table just happens to be right above the Rancor pit. <laughs> the Rancor just basically pops up. You can see its teeth sticking through the through the bars and everything and just always just had there like shh right now 
like a like an angry dog. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's enough to change uh, everybody's minds. <laughs> yeah, it does. Say, you know, if they won't uh, help them, he basically asks that they remain neutral. If they come to help, then basically don't don't allow them. Don't don't make any deals with them, and they all accept it. And it does seem like again he's taking them more drive the way it's smart because he says to Fennel, like, they know they know that the pikes. Like they know better than to mess with the pikes because other the pikes would probably come for their territory. And I believe he's kinda of hoping that if he by himself and hit with his allies that he's forming like Fennec and the gang and that that if he shows himself to be able to get rid of a threat with the pikes that the the other families realise that maybe the pikes were a big threat and maybe we'll start to show him a bit more respect as the leader is because they said in the last episode, you know, no one respects you. Yeah, definitely. I think if he can uh, take out the pikes, that'll certainly earn him the respect that he needs. Absolutely. And uh, they talk about you know how many Fennec asks them at the end, how many credits you got? He goes, we've got plenty of credits. It's muscle we need. And she goes, yeah, credits can buy muscle if you know where to look. And uh, she gives him that look. And then as it fades out, you hear a little bit of, uh, you know, like you sneak a little bit of Mando steam yes. in there, <laughs> which is what got everybody talking the entire week and then episode five what is it titled it's the return of the fucking mandalorian <laughs> oh i didn't i didn't notice the fucking bit in the tie oh i'll have to go back and look <laughs> you really gotta pay close attention you gotta read between the lines if you want to see that part of the title. <laughs> i like the fact i like the fact that the uh the plane of more subtle with both episodes when they go up into the bus because they don't tell you they tell you the chapter, but they don't tell you the the, like, the name of the chapters like they do with Mando, uh, and they give you a very vague descriptions because it, it says for chapter five, it's like a new ally, or like an old ally returns or something like that. And then, because obviously, if it just said in the title "Return of the Mandalorian," you know, oh well, I know what happens in this episode. <laughs> yeah, quite a cunning, quite, quite a cunning way of doing it. To be fair, yeah, <laughs> but. This episode, uh, it was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, who is uh, no stranger to Star Wars. He directed episodes, episode four, I believe it was, of season one, and then episode three of season two, episode three being the episode where Bo-Katan was reintroduced into the live-action world. Uh, and then she directed this episode, so uh, she's got she's built up quite a decent track record for herself in the world of Star Wars, isn't she? Yeah, definitely. Um, she's obviously picked up a few tips from her dad because she's really good at this directing b- business. It has to be said. Yeah, totally. Uh, she's starting to put over a good record, and uh, there's even people asking for her to direct her own like Star Wars film. And uh, when you get your hopes up uh, too long, because it doesn't seem like they're going back into the, the cinematic world much longer. I think they're happy as they are with the TV because uh, they're, you know. They're doing a lot. I think it seems like they're doing a lot more. The, they're doing a lot more successfully, money-wise and critically, with these TV shows than they did with the, those last two films. Maybe not financially, but critically, especially. Nobody's, you know, commenting on these Star Wars shows as badly as they were the last two Star Wars films. Yeah, it does seem to have gone quite quiet on the on the whole film front at the moment, but. Uh, they haven't put much of a foot wrong so far in these series. It has to be sad. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, after episode four, we had all we had a week of speculation: is he coming back? Is he not? And then, literally, you're opening this kind of like meat packing place, 
and uh, <laughs> through the the curtains, you just see the silhouette of Mando. You can tell it's him and not Boba because uh, the jetpack's not as prominent, but you can see a spear on his back, and he just gets through. And then you hear a little bit of his music as he steps through. And also, I don't know if you heard, when it came up, the, the name of the, the book of Boba Fett and the title of this chapter, they kind of merged the Boba Fett and Mando themes together. Yeah, I did notice that. It's really, it was really clever, and it worked quite well, actually. Better than when the WWE merged two people's theme musics together, uh, at any rate. I mean, I mean sometimes it works. I'll, I'll stick up for Red RKO, but everybody else, yeah, it's trash. Remember when they tried to do Kyrie's and Nasca's together? Jesus Christ! Yeah, sometimes they just uh, they just like play a bit of some song, pause, then play it play a different person. <laughs> that, that's not really a mashup. The worst one is uh, Cody and Goldust when they had a mashup theme where you have the kind of shared dreams bit of Goldust theme, and then you just hear oh, like no, this 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 is not what these these are two different tone. Tonal songs, you can't just merge them together just because they're brothers. No, you can't <laughs> either go with gold this team or go with this or go with Cody or give them something different. Come on, <laughs> or uh, one that's uh, one of the ones that's kind of bad but also we've got funny to listen to is the Jerry Show. Well, big show. <laughs> And then well, it says it's the big show, and then you see after a brief pause, it goes and Jericho, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is not like an and Jericho song, so they just added they've had to add that on just like the big show's here and Jericho. Um, yeah, I've, I've I've opened a big can of worms here, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's plenty of examples here. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, I forgot how much how much many opinions I have about this. Anyway, Mando, <laughs> Mando's back. As Billy Moto says later in this episode, look everybody, it's Mando. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like the opening of this episode is pretty much like it, it does have a lot of vibes of basically how we were introduced to Mando in episode one of his series. He's there on a job and he's got a wee tracker. The guy, you can clearly tell that the guy he's talking to is the guy he's looking for, but the guy's trying to deny it. I think his name's Copper Bias. He goes, oh, How do you know he's here? Pulls out his wee tracking photo because oh well he's not here. Uh, and basically puts out his wee bounty basically shows a photo and like it's clearly that I'm looking for. He's like, that does he even look like me? And then Mando <laughs> repeats his line from that episode. He just says, I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold. <laughs> yeah. And basically uh, a lot of his like workers and henchmen attack Mando and we see him, he's still got the uh, the dark saber which he unleashes and starts um, taking out um, all his attackers. But as you can sort of see, he hasn't quite grasped how to wield it properly yet. And he does have a bit of an accident as he catches his his leg with it as he's uh, performing a a move with with the dark saber. It was quite a nasty injury as well. And it gives him a quite a severe limp for uh, the next few scenes so um, it's going to need to be careful with that with that sword I think mm-hmm. yeah I, I knew I, I knew that we were going to see Mando I, just, I wasn't expecting to see him so soon but then mm. I, I, I bought like big time for just sitting and watching the episode and then just bust out the dark table like oh my god he's still got it because 
you know, it does answer. It says it does answer one or two questions we have coming out of like the Mandal season two finale, like what you, what was going to happen with him, Bokita, and the Dark Saber. So he, he holds on to the Dark Saber. Like I said, yeah, he doesn't know how to use it, and we talk about how the weight of the blade and everything. It kind of maybe explains why he was able to beat Moff Gideon so easily because clearly Gideon is a non-Mandalorian didn't not really know how to wield it either, so it probably explains why Mando was able to beat him so easily. Yeah, and as you say, it's um, for some reason it, it, it can weigh quite heavy, and uh, probably why it's not called a lightsaber. Boom, boom. <laughs> oh, I'm all, all the puns. I'm here all, I'm here all week. Happy <laughs> waitresses, people. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, <laughs> standard, standards have slipped on this show, I, I do say. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's quite heavy uh, to say where he does kick out himself. Uh, it ends up just, just very viciously cutting this guy in half and deciding to bring him in cold and uh, basically takes his head. We don't see it, but also we see him doing another strike through the curtain and then he holds up a very head-shaped bag coming out with him so he just looks at the other workers and basically says to them there's a big table worth of Republic credits in there these guys had no right to you know no one else is going to claim it so just let me pass it's all yours yeah so they pretty much do what anybody was in that situation and let him pass and go for the credits so it's all good and um, we see him arrive at um, whoever gave him the job and uh, they say, "Oh, you were fast. You're a you're a good hunter." And he drops the head on the table, and they offer him another job, but he doesn't want it. He just wants this information. He's he's after, and uh, they 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 give him the information he wants, which is the location of where um, the rest of his Mandal- surviving Mandalorians are, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was surprised to see that. Like, what do you think of the look of this kind of? Almost like space station kind of thing, like a whole Yeah, that was really cool, on, wasn't it? Yeah, like city on like a half kind of thing. It does seem like something you'd see back in like the prequel day or the Clone Wars days, like the kind of locations they have in those type of shows. And like, kind of I'm felt sure there's Star- other- I mean, I'm going to swear here, but kind of felt a bit Star Trek y to me, actually. Fair enough. Like, I'm sure there's, like, there's, there's a number of things in like sci-fi that this seems similar to. I've seen so mm. many comparisons online. And you can point out with a half, it's like not a full like circle, so it spins around and the sun hits different areas at different times. So somebody on one end is like, it's the middle of the afternoon for someone else, it's the middle of the night. But yeah, as a, as a visual, it looked really cool, actually. Uh-huh. Also, I love like the the, the immediate aftermath before he even has the meeting with them, he walk he's walking through the streets with this head by he gets into an elevator and the guy in the left kind of looks down as if he's like, Has he got a head in that bag? And as soon as man looks <laughs> he's right and he just like eyes forward. Eyes <laughs> forward. Uh and uh, you know it's actually when he's avoiding this group of people like when he goes up to that table, he's not limping as soon as he's on his own, he's suddenly like grabbing at his leg and like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Toxic masculinity from the Mando, and not one issue weakness. <laughs> well, it's probably a survival thing as well, as much as anything. Yeah, probably. Probably so. But yeah, the uh, 
another question we had coming out of season to like what whatever happened to the rest of those Mandalorians he was trying to find, and uh, yeah, there's only two of them left. And another question we had, because um, we left a sort of fight in a bunch of stormtroopers, was did the armourer survive? And obviously she did, because she's there, so she's obviously some fighter. Mm-hmm. I was kind of interested to see, like, you see the symbol, I was sure I've seen the symbols before, I'm sure it was probably in the early like, start of season one that uh, we saw the symbols it's obviously to do with that like clan of, of Mandalorians mm. and so he finds them and then yeah I, I, I was really surprised when he just cut it pans around and you see the armor just kind of sitting there okay the bowels of this like station kind of sitting on their own so they're all hidden it's just her and uh, there's other guy Vizsla uh, well Vizsla's his last name but he he has a link to the dark side which we get into but he was a uh, he was played by John Favreau, I believe, or at least voiced by John Favreau in this episode. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw that sure. as well, which is pretty cool. I mean, it looked big enough to be played by John Favreau, to be fair. So, <laughs> yeah, you, you never know. But yeah, he shows yeah. he shows um, the armor, the dark saber, and the the Vespar spear, and she's like, "Oh, the Vespar, that should be armor. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be a weapon." So he hands it mm-hmm. to her to forge uh, into something. Uh, she asks him what he wants, and he actually wants um, armor for the Foundling Grogu, which she's a bit reluctant to do at first, but. Uh, he explains why he wants it uh, doing, and she asks, "What shall I make for the foundling?" So yeah. uh, I don't know if we're going to see him go back to Grogu. I hope we do, but um, it's hinted that he's well. It's definitely suggested that he's going to go to to find Grogu out. So um, I hope we get to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, like the like. So also something very small, so I don't know if it's armor or if it's just like a small like, necklace thing that he's he's melted it down into because it's like a very small little thing she's tied up for him and uh, give to Grogu and everything. She said, "Oh, your your mission's complete. You've, you've returned the foundling to to his own kind." But also, we get some background. Also, for those who didn't watch like Clone Wars or Rebels mm. or anything like that, uh, you get some backstory on the the dark saber itself and. Done about as I mentioned before, it was named. It was founded by one of the only Mandalorians to join the Jedi Order. Everything uh, his name last. He was of House Vizsla as well, and there's a character called Pre Vizsla in the Clone Wars who was also voiced by John Favreau, ironically as I mentioned before, who kind of wielded the dark saber and fought and teamed with Maul, and then that led to Maul claiming the dark saber briefly for his own. But uh, it's quite interesting that I'll say in canon. Of the after the whole changes of a wise canon, wise and Disney took over. The first appearance of the dark saber was in was in Clone Wars, wielded by a character voiced by John Favreau, and then pops back up again in a show directed by John Favreau, and then the show written by him, and he's playing a character who then tries to fight Mando to get the dark saber. So, you know, John Favreau basically brought us back the dark saber. Yeah, it's it's a nice little thread that sort of connects itself through the through all the series, which is, which is really cool. And when he mentions um, uh, Bo-Katan, uh, the Amara sort of replies, "Bo-Katan is a cautionary tale." <laughs> but 
So um, yeah. these clans are not, I don't think, too highly of each other. And it just made me wonder if perhaps uh, she might make an appearance in season three of The Mandalorian. Yeah, I'm hopeful for that. Uh, it does seem like well, there's two different, he's getting two different sides of the story here because he met Bo Katachi, he claims that all the people you belong to, you know, the whole thing about not ruining your helmet, that's just, that's the old ways these guys are about, like, basically right wing in their beliefs of the Mandalorian ways, where he's saying, like, oh no, when someone who does not claim it the right way leads us, it'll lead to chaos and we'll be scattered. And that's what happened when Bo Katan uh, took over because she didn't earn the to play because she was given to I believe by Sabine Wren she didn't, which is probably why she has that look on her face when Mando has the sword and just tries to give it to her she's like no I can't just be handed it again after last time I need to I need to earn it uh, so I'm hopeful that we can get to continue that in Mando season 3 but yeah not looking at saying this woman her really religious beliefs that on the way the Mandalorians does not really reflect highly on Pocatan. No, it's, it's a little bit like different religious sects of the same religion where they sort of interpret uh, certain texts different ways and have their own ways of um, worshipping the gods and have their own different mm-hmm. rituals. So so, it, so it's, a, it's a lot like that. And um, I do find the whole not removing your helmet thing a bit daft personally, but that's their way, so... Um, yeah, um, and um, that, is, that is the way, as they say. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, the other Mandalorian, as you said, challenges um, Boba Fett for the uh, Darksaber, saying that he he is part of that family and dynasty that the original uh, bearer of that sword was, um, you know, uh, fam- you know. Is one of his ancestors basically, so um, they have a bit of a a fight for the dark saber. And interestingly, Mando doesn't really get the upper hand until uh, he's lost the dark saber, and the other one tries to wield it. And you can sort of even see him struggling to control the dark saber. Yeah, because like Mando was training with the the armor, uh, yeah, got these kind of beskar beskar like weapons, obviously. A lightsaber, uh, Beskar is one of the only things that really can withstand a lightsaber, uh, and even like without with these weapons, like she's able to, he's mainly able to be him because he's inexperienced, and she keeps saying, "You're fighting against like, the weight of the blade." I think basically she uses her forging tools. Well, that's what it, it looks like mm-hmm. to me, anyway. I really like the. It was almost weirdly funny when he gets knocked off the side and then has to bring his use his jetpack to get himself back up again. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Well, obviously, when they do have a fair like fight, I do like the fact that both he and Vizsla they they take all their jetpack before they have their their fight. Yeah, that that is a nice little touch, and uh, mm-hmm. it's quite a cool fight. I mean, obviously, you know that Mando's gonna win eventually. Uh, I did think he's gonna have to kill Vizsla, but no, um, once he's sort of in a winning position, um, uh, the armor sort of calls. Calls a stop to the fight and says it is done, and then she asks them about removing the helmets. And uh, Mando's a bit like, um, uh, um. <laughs> well, he doesn't yeah. say that, yeah. but that's probably what he's thinking under his helmet. He's probably thinking, shit. 
Yeah, it's actually interesting how much these uh, characters, uh, their scenes together, they can say a lot without with the helmets on, and you'd think also you're not being able to see their facial expressions would be difficult, but they do manage to say a lot because, mm. like, even when he hands over the blade or he first shows her, like, because like, he seems he shows his wound, like, what 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 weapon caused such a wound? And he shows the dark saber, and he or just closes up on him looking down at the saber, in order to tell that something something bad's gonna happen there. And then just like going back between him and the armorer when he's not answering, and just her tone of voice, the more she asks, like, she knows that he's removed it. But basically, she wants to hear him admit it, and he doesn't know what he's saying because he knows, obviously, as he end up happening, if he admits what he did, he'll get kicked out. Yeah, it's um, they 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 say so much as like just a turn of the head or a body language. It, you know, it, it's so well done because you hear a lot of actors and directors complain in films where you know they've got to wear a mask and you can't really get the performance they want but uh mm-hmm. they've they've sort of which was a lot of problems they had with um the original green goblin costume in the first spider-man um but they 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 find a way to make this work on uh boba fett and the mandalorian it's really you know really mm-hmm. cool to see yeah definitely also something earlier on which we was talking about the, the Dark Sea, which you mentioned, the Night of a Thousand Tears, which was referenced by Moff yes. Gideon in the Mando finale. Uh, and we actually get to see a brief flashback of like ships bombing uh, Mando, Mandalore. And, you know, it's weirdly the first time we, you know, it's very briefly, it's the first time we've seen it in live action because, you know, they visited Mandalore several times across Rebels and the Clone Wars, but never seen it really in live action. And uh, there's a scene where all through the wreckage you see these like Imperial droids searching for survivors and there's been I've seen a lot of people put that face side by side with like the Terminator yeah that was my post apocalyptic I was gonna uh, say yeah I was gonna say that I really when the first time I saw it I really first thought was like oh this is very Terminator (laughs) (laughs) yeah pretty much Uh, so it was a nice touch again actually see Mandalorian which again gives me hope for maybe seeing Mandalore, like them going back there in season three of, of the Mandalorian, because he's, yeah, he doesn't want to be kicked out. He says, "Well, what, what can I do?" So I told him, "Goes the only way is to you know, to measure yourself in the dark waters beneath, beneath the temple on Mandalore." It's like, well, those are all wiped out. So basically, they look at like, yeah, well, the only way for you to atone basically no longer exists. Uh, so basically, you're out. But I did find it interesting that they they still let him keep the dark saber because. Uh, even though he won the fight for the saber, the fact that he's no longer part of them, it's interesting that they'd actually let him leave with it. Yeah, but as you say, he, he can't just hand it over. So I suppose they've got no choice if they've got if they've got to follow that sort of rule. And maybe Mando season three will we'll see him uh, travel to Mandalore to try and find these um, lost. Um, Waters and, and whatnot, and maybe he'll run into um, Bo-Katan at some point. Yeah, I, I like to think that maybe in season three he'll, he'll meet Bo-Katan. Basically, she usually gives the other side of what the the armor says. She basically, said like I believe that the these waters still do still exist. So they go back there, and maybe they do discover during the series that they are still there. But maybe he decides, no, I don't want to go back there. I want to. You know, be with Grogu or be with these people or do stuff on his own. 
We also do get indication that Moff Gideon is still alive. Uh, so he could show up in season three because he says he's basically awaiting trial by the New Republic and Bezla basically tells him you should you should have killed him for what he's done to to our people. Yeah, so it said like death would be a suitable punishment and uh Manda replies then then he'll be executed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, even though he, he's similarly he seemingly he, he sticks a step back in this episode in terms of like Oh, he wants to come back. He's complete everything he did with Grogu was just to compete a, a mission set by them, and it won't seem like so badly to be accepted back in. But he's clearly got very different views from them. Yeah, definitely. So it, it, season three might even be like a bit of a journey on him finding his own, you know, his own way and a, a new path, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And then there was quite a funny bit again of all set that he's been kicked out where he has to get on a commercial kind of ship back yeah. to Tatooine <laughs> and has to hand over all his weapons. Uh, and I was so hopeful that there'd be like at least one, because he said, I know how much is in there. I'd hope that maybe like a typical airline loses your luggage that you'd open up and like there'd be at least one gun or so missing or, or somehow the Darksaber was missing or whatever. <laughs> yeah. like, hey, where's, my, where's my bloody weapons here? In season three, it's like just him uh, for two weeks in um, baggage controls when they get his uh, luggage back. There's, there's a show I'd love to see. Nothing to declare Star Wars edition. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, you can't bring that that this dark side saber into the country. We're going to have to hold you in customs. <laughs> I'm sorry, mate. Have you got a, license? You got a proper license for that rank, or? He's there. He's. You can have an episode of him having tea with Novak Djokovic or something. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mister Jar. Unless you've had your vaccine, you're not coming. <laughs> 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 uh, and he he's reunited with Pelleboto, who because uh, I briefly forgotten that yeah, the the Razor Crest got blown up when Grogu got kidnapped by Moff Gideon and Mandalorian. So he's looking for a new ship. So he thinks he's going to get a new ship guess, similar to the, the Razor Crest. He said, oh, you said you had the replacement. I know she's instead kind of remodeling and rebuilding an old uh, like Starfighter, like an old Naboo Starfighter. These are the ships, the yellow ships that Anakin uh, piloted in the Phantom Menace. But also they're making it more, like give it more of a silver look. And basically the next three, five minutes is a bit of a compilation of them basically helping put the ship together. Yeah, it is, it, that sort of made me think of an old 80s show, like the A-Team, when they'd <laughs> be building something to take out the bad guys and have a bit of a montage, and was, that's kind of what this reminded me of, but it, it was quite cool. And there's also like a fun bit uh, before he arrived where there was some sort of um, like alien thing on the loose causing a bit of havoc, and you see the droids too scared to, to go and get it, so... Um, she does, um, Palmetto does, and uh, there's a sort of comedy, it's almost like a comedy bit, isn't it, where she's getting dragged behind um, some tools and cases and that, and this thing's dragging her, and uh, she's trying to reach for a gun, and the droids are there too scared to help, to help her, but um, Mando's there just in the nick of time to shoot it. Yeah, she's, she's like, what entrance? <laughs> And the droids aren't really happy to see him because they know he doesn't like droids. Uh, and uh, even the bit where, like, with the R2 would have went, went, well, I hold this out, uh, given your 
pension for Troy's. I thought you'd want a four goal the Astro, mate. And there's an R5 here and just makes a weird noise. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> was there a BD droid in in there last time? I can't remember, but that 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 made me sort of pop because it's from the game. Yeah, yeah, it's from uh, Fallen Order. I don't think there was one there, so that's a new one. I, I only really remember her having those like those three little like droids mm. that, uh, from like Mandalorian. So it's clearly she's bought some new ones in between. So that's nice. So I've only seen that version on the game before so that's a nice little touch and yeah um, makes that a bit more canon as well which is cool yeah yeah you yeah, hope so um i do like billy in this episode because she has a quite a few funny lines like the hey look it's mando kind of like but also she admits that she did a jawa and that they're quite hairy uh because we've never <laughs> yeah. really seen what a jawa looks like <laughs> under those hoods uh and also uh she asks him a bit where, where Grogu is. She goes, oh, I took him back to his own kind of like, what did you do that for? Could have made a fortune of that guy. Opened a petting zoo or something. <laughs> uh, so she's a nice wee bit of a comedy, comic relief for this episode. But yeah, like, yeah there's some like, compilation of them restoring this this ship and the Mando getting to getting used to it and flying through. I believe it was Beggar's Canyon they called it. I believe they used that area for Tatooine for like the pod racing scene hmm. in episode one uh, and then he, he flies a bit too close to the to our public sh- uh, like a commercial ship which gets him pulled over by the X-Wing that bloody Mando <laughs> no, he happened multiple times in bloody at his show and then now here but he's getting too many points on his license that boy they're as bad as the police in England, aren't they? As soon as it's a bit of a traffic offence, they're there, and seems to be the same in Star Wars. Bit of a space flight offence, and yeah, you're surrounded by cops. But one of them is uh, one of the the pilots from from uh, that episode of Mandalorian, where they kind of let him go, and so he kind of like, didn't you used to fly a Razor Crest? And he just zooms off, but like, um, <laughs> yeah. can't be asked with any paperwork. We'll just we'll just let him. So, and I'm, I'm glad that the actor got to come back because I'm pretty sure, he, as I've said before, he was may have a part in that uh, Rangers of the New Republic show. Almost called the Knights of the the New Republic, but that's that's something different. But uh, the idea <laughs> yeah, Rangers of the Rangers of the New Republic, but uh, thanks to Gina Carano, that got Scarford. So nice to see him get another role in Star Wars. Yeah, definitely. And uh, he lands back, and uh, Pamela says, "Oh, there's someone here to." See ya, but I told them you'd gone and put down the garage's security, and, and he goes, who was she? And then, yeah, her voice, it was Fennec Shand, and she goes, shouts at one of the droids, I thought you said the security was up. <laughs> and so, like, immediately, you know, it's, like, it's, it's Boba that needs a favour, and she, like, she offers him some credit, but he said, like, tell him this one's on me, but he says, I have to see a friend first, so... I'm wondering, like, one theory I've seen online is that maybe, like, we will, we'll see him with Boba in that in the next couple of episodes, but uh, we'll imply that he, he went to see Grogu in between, and uh, the bit where he sees Grogu will actually be featured in Mando Season 3. Yeah, I hope so. That, that'd that be cool to see. Maybe the, fir- maybe the first episode will have him um, visiting Grogu at the beginning or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people are waiting to see what happens when they, they meet because uh, one one thing that we've quite mentioned is that uh, when he talks about you know wanting to see Grogu uh, and make something for him, 
armor mentions to you know as part of their training, a Jedi must learn to forego all attachments. Uh, and he said that's the complete opposite of you know of our ways and everything like loyalty is what gives us strength. And it kind of goes back to what Ahsoka said, like you know I can't train on his attachment to you and makes some makes them vulnerable and. I'd say like it was Anakin who couldn't forego attachments to Padme or his mother, and that led to him turning to the dark side. So there's a worry that maybe Grogu's had to learn to forego attachments. So maybe not, may not welcome Mando as you might hope. Yeah, you just you just never know. We'll have to see what happens there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to see what's you know what's what's in that wee little thing. What what did they make for Grogu? That's what I want to know. Exactly, yeah, it'd be cool. And I wonder if uh, will there be a little um, Ben? Will there be a little Ben Solo there yet, or is it too soon for him? Who knows? Well, we see uh, another CGI you know, re- re- de-aged uh, Mark Camel there. Who knows? Uh, apparently, the actor who does who did the who's the newer like, uh, pilot in the X Wing. He did like the the body like movements for uh, for the Luke Skywalker scenes, and then obviously they later added Mark Hamill's kind of DH face on him. All oh, right, didn't realise that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. But you know, it's interesting what you find out when you do a bit of digging. Hmm. <laughs> so there you go. And then uh, so they basically teased that yeah, he's got this kind of mod gang, Fennec, Crescenton, and Mando, like Mando alongside Boba. In fact, going up against an army of pikes. So these last two episodes will be very interesting indeed. They will be, yeah. I mean, it's quite a good. Not it's not many, but it's quite a strong force to be honest. Nonetheless, yeah, totally. Uh, especially if if uh, Boba's going ship, even he can even set his rancor on a few of them. I'm sure the rancor can fend for itself. If he, especially if he, you know, I hope they don't they don't tease on this. I want to see Boba ride that rancor. Exactly, that'd be pretty cool. That would, doesn't it? Yeah, as long as they also they had the effects budget for that and everything. But what else? Your opinions on the, this episode and that? I've seen one opinion I saw floated out there is that this was a bad episode of Boba Fett, but a great episode of Mandalorian <laughs> yeah. because, because Boba wasn't in it. <laughs> yeah, as an episode of Boba Fett, it gets one out of ten, but as an episode of Mandalorian, it gets ten out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> like it's tied into that world and everything. Uh, and also, if you're bringing back Mando, some people are, people are going to want to know, oh, what has he been up to? And I, I guess this is better than basically a couple of offlines. Oh, I was off doing X, Y, Z, and then back to the story. Like, let us know where he was. And again, I, I think that means like he does a favor for Boba, and they're like, then maybe Boba has to do a favor for him. And Mando sees and feel like they seem to be developing quite a rapport. Like maybe being quite a lot more willing to help each other out. Yeah, maybe so. Um, it'd, it'd be quite cool to see. I think they're going to strike up quite the friendship if he helps them take take out the pikes. So, um, yeah, who knows? Maybe Bubba Fett will uh, pop up on the Mandalorian again. Yeah, I'd, I'd be very hopeful to see that. So, uh, it's really ramping up these, uh, these next couple of episodes. Uh, Especially because, like, with this episode, you know, we're not gonna probably gonna get Mando to. Some people are hoping, oh, does this mean we could get Mando as early as late 2022? Like, I wouldn't get my hopes that I don't think we're gonna see Mando season three till sometime next year. But I think Mando was, was slipped into here 
no, because it's in the same universe, it's basically a case of like, give you a bit of dinja and now let you, this will tide you over, maybe hopefully till next year. <laughs> yeah, keep, a, keep us going. Because <laughs> when you think about it, like 2019, the Mandalorian season one came out, then 2020 season two came out, and then it was right at the tail end, but right tail end of 2021 into this year, Boba Fett came out. So like, well, sorry, we're going to wait a bit longer, but here's a little, here's a little gift for you just to tide you over. Yeah, exactly. I mean, not. I mean, just got to remember we've got Obi Wan coming uh, imminently, and the Ahsoka one as uh, sometime in the future too. So there's going to be plenty of stuff. Mhm. Totally. So this then, obviously, season four was a decent episode, especially from the dynamic between Boba and Fang, especially given that given that Boba's in the title of the series, he's fucking in it. Uh, so <laughs> that's the <a> minimum <laughs> requirement. And he finally is at the bad thing, so we've wrapped up the, uh, the flashback portions of the series. But then obviously Mando has a lot of good development and gives you a lot to be anticipating for when his 30 years of his show comes out. But as I said, given that it feels more like a Mando episode than a Boba Fett episode, it makes it very, it's very hard to know how to really rate it. Yeah, it's strange, but, you know... So I'm just rating it on certainly being a great episode. Then I'd have to give episode five ten out of ten, and I'd probably give um, episode four um, a solid eight. I think I'd have to agree with you there on. Uh, I tend to just give it a nine point five. Be that pedantic, half a half a point removed from not having any Boba. <laughs> you know, I can't really be that. I mean, great, great episode of TV is, is a great episode, you know, wherever you look at it. Uh, I think, yeah, so far, episodes three and five are the two standard episodes of the show so far. So let's see if uh, season six and seven can uh, can keep this momentum going after a 10 out of 10. Can either of these episodes be a 10? You know, these episodes, these, these 10s are very aware from us here, so we clearly have high standards. <laughs> yeah, we're we're not like Dave Matt Dave Meltzer giving them out willy nilly. No, 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 we don't. I can't remember how many times there have been a couple of episodes of Mando we've given them out for, and I don't think there's even been a Marvel thing we give them ten out of ten for. There might be. I think I have to listen back to it. But see, they're very rare these ten out of ten. So when you get one, you know we mean it. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Ken Omega ever appeared in The Mandalorian, of course, it would be 11 out of 10. <laughs> oh, 12. 12, mate. <laughs> 12, oh. <laughs> oh, Look at you. Thir- thir- 13 if they filmed an episode in the Thunderdome. <laughs> oh, not Thunderdome, is it? What am I on about? Uh, the, um, what's it called? The, the Tokyo Dome. Tokyo Dome. That's the... Jesus yeah. Christ. I think it loses. I got a detract points if it was in the bloody Thunderdome. Tina Turner's there. Tell Boba that we don't need another hero. <laughs> anyway, we'll uh, we'll probably have to wrap up there because uh, we're losing track of whatever the hell it is we're talking about. Uh, Carl, yeah, we've got too much. You... I was gonna say we've gone on. We've gone on some tangents today, haven't we? We have. Yeah, we didn't have any. Much many times applied to the side of this one, but we, we somehow we found them and we veered <laughs> off each way. <laughs> veered off. But Carl, you've been up too much. You want much? You want to plug to the good people? 
I have, yeah. I, I'm going to be challenging you this week, to be honest, uh, oh, Scott. Right so, but I get, <laughs> but I get stuck in. So you can follow me on uh, Carl, um, Carlos underscore Fire eighty on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us on Rogue underscore Opinions on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can check out our website where I put uh, a new article about the Australian Open. Um, that's Rogue. Uh, rogueopinions20.wordpress.com um, so please check that out um, we've got a tennis podcast that I've recorded with Nathan which uh, may be up before this or it may be up after this depending so keep an eye out for that as we discuss the um, Australian Open and heat praise on one Rafa Nadal there's also um, a football pod which should be going out reasonably soon, so keep an eye out for that too, Guns and Devils, as uh, me and Liam discuss the transfer window and both our club's failure to sign anybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, there's also the the Buffy pod that I do with Sam Carmichael. Uh, the latest one is Prophecy Gill, the season one finale. So please check that out. And also, I'm, I'm now um, a Twitch affiliate. So if you want to watch me uh, playing Hitman on Twitch, go and find me at Carl7Pierce. Uh, so yeah, you've, you've, been, you've been a busy boy, haven't you? I have. I'd been, I'd been meaning to ask you about the Twitch thing because I saw that on Twitter that you'd, uh, you were trying your hand at the old Twitch. Yeah, yeah. That's, where the, that's, where, like, that's where the kids are these days. Yeah, um, you know, if you want to see uh, a 42-year-old bumbling his way through some video games, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm the person to follow. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, mark- I, I just... I just thought, I always thought it was like this silly thing, but then, I don't know, I just decided, actually, perhaps I'll give it a go after all. Can't, can't beat them, bloody join them. <laughs> there you go, yeah, you never know. I mean, I'm sure there's a market for men in the 40s not knowing how to play games. So, you know, there's a market for bloody everything. <laughs> I like to think I know how to play games, but as soon as I hit the record button, all the, all the things I can normally do well on the games, it all goes to shit. As far as my plugs go, you can get me at Scotland Cloud 1996. Uh, follow Scotland Paul's Rambling Podcast at SP Rambling. We're also under the uh, Rogue Bands feed on the same Android podcasting platform that you can find. Or depends on both feeds, uh, Anchor, Spotify, where we choose to to listen to the these shows. Uh, make sure to check back. Last well, episode, oh, we in uh, Carl's previous episode, see when we did give a we did give tens in the past. See how often <laughs> we do do it. Are we hypocrites? Are we really like Dave Meltzer and do it more far more frequently than we realise? <laughs> but with me and Paul, uh, recently we uploaded an episode uh, about Impact Wrestling, the Hard to Kill, and the recent partnership they're doing with Ring of Honor and guys like that. And we've got an episode coming up of our In Your House review series where we're going to be reviewing In Your House uh, 10, I believe it is, Mind Games, which features the main event of Shawn Michaels versus Mankind. Very uh, often forgotten match that uh, people should really check out if they haven't uh, done so. Yeah, uh, I, wa- and- I remember watching that back in the day and yeah, really good match that one. Mm-hmm. The only match going to like watching the show back for the review. Like, the only match from that I'd seen 
had what had been Mankind versus Sean. So I'm just to see how I, how I feel about the rest of the card. Uh, also on Roger Pines, uh new episode of Roger's Smackdown will be going up soon when I get the time to finish the editing. Uh, and then after that, there'll be hopefully another episode to follow with the Judgment Day review coming shortly after that. So me and uh, Sam are getting back on a on our hopeful regular schedule. He's watched. He's actually watched uh, the stuff that we need to. He's watched the stuff that we need to talk about. So it's just a matter of scheduling and getting him to condense his thoughts. <laughs> Good luck on that last bit. Uh, there's a no rogues bar that I recorded like before the new year with Quack Radio. Again, I've had uh, a lot of stuff on and not have time to edit it. Quack Scottish ring announcer and uh, producer over at ESSR. So uh, hopefully. You guys enjoy the chat that I had with him. It's a lot of fun to record that. Uh, being a VSSR, I do a bunch of shows over there, so go, go check out what they're doing on their podcast and uh, feed, and you'll probably find me there. Uh, like my next show that I'm doing with them is on Saturday. It's called Saturday Draft Live. We do this wrestling fantasy draft, and we're, we break it down and try and analyse it like we're an actual sports thing. We just started off our 12th season starting this Saturday, so go see us talk about wrestlers and basically root for them mainly because we have them on our team because we're not biased at all. (laughs) Uh, Not at all. Uh, Not really anything else I can plug podcasting wise. Uh, I'm doing a, I don't mean to do the steps thing. It's for a Scottish character called children first. Uh, Also I'm trying to raise, help raise money. So I don't know. So, you know, maybe try and look into children first and see how, how you can donate and to them and what you can give and, Try and give any, try and give something to them for a good cause if you're so inclined. Uh, they sent me a T-shirt as part of this. A bit tight under the arms, but I'm hoping they shed some weight over the next month. So hopefully by the end of February, it'll be hanging off me. <laughs> Doing these twelve thousand steps doesn't help you lose weight. Nothing will, mate. Yeah, I'll resign myself. To like I'm a fat man. I'll I accept it now. I'm like like Joey, <laughs> like, like Joey Trevi. Everyone said I'm curvy and I like it. and if that's not a better note to end the podcast on I don't know what it is but (laughs) we've learned with all the stuff we're doing and Carlos soon learned very much like podcasting doing Twitch is not easy (laughs) it really isn't (laughs) bye everybody bye you think you know me 